How would you like to do church like Jesus did? Over the past few years, we've learned that church can happen in a very meaningful way outside of a church building. In fact, we're getting raving reviews from our house churches, which are now over a hundred. Though I thank God for churches in buildings and on campuses, God is leading more and more people these days to gather for church in their homes. Not only is it easier for many people to attend a house church, but a house church can offer a level of community that campuses can't. Well, I'm excited to announce that every Thursday in December and January, I plan to host a house church interest meeting on Zoom at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. If you're not attending a church right now and are interested, or if you know of anyone who's interested, then all they have to do is email us at hcinfo at solidlives.com or click the link in the description of this video. Okay, now let me welcome you to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where we read and talk through a chapter of the New Testament every day. I'm glad you're here because reading God's Word daily will change your life. I'd appreciate it if you'd help others find this resource by sharing the link, and if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Okay, now let's pray, and we'll jump into God's Word. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you that it's inspired. I pray that each person watching or listening today will hear what you have to say to them through your Word, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 4, we started off with, in chapter 1, with the angel coming to Zacharias and then to Mary, uh, announcing the two really miraculous conceptions and births of John the Baptist and, of course, Jesus himself. And then the beautiful Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. And then in the last chapter, in chapter 3, we ended with that long genealogy, but also the ministry of John the Baptist in precursor of Jesus and Jesus coming to be baptized and the Holy Spirit descending upon him. And that's where we pick it up here. In Luke chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. When did that happen? It happened at the baptism of John. John baptized him in water, but Father God baptized him with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So notice now he's filled with the Spirit. And he's led by the Spirit. And that's what we need to be. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but we also need to be led by the Holy Spirit. So it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, that's not our favorite place to be led, but nonetheless, we need to follow the Holy Spirit wherever he's leading us. So he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Watch this. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry, you think? Verse 3, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, notice the word if, if you are the Son of God. The enemy always wants us to doubt who we are in the Lord. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Prove it. If you're really the son of God, if you're really born again, if you're really a child of God, he would say to us, then why isn't this happening? Or then do this or that. He wants to control us. He wants to manipulate us. So he tells Jesus, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And of course, he was playing on Jesus' hunger. 
his desire to eat. Verse 4, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Now I want you to notice, Jesus is the Son of God himself. He is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is God. He is God. And yet, he does not respond to Satan out of his own mind or heart. He only quotes Scripture. Watch this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. That's from the eighth chapter of Deuteronomy, the third verse. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you. Now, interesting, you're talking to the creator himself who created this whole universe. And then you have the audacity to say, all this authority I will give to you and their glory. How could the devil say this to the Son of God? Here's how. For this has been delivered to me. How has all this authority been delivered to him? Through human beings. Because you remember in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make man in our image and let him have dominion. So God delegated the dominion of this world, this earth, over to mankind, Adam and Eve and all of his descendants, human beings. And so those human beings have been manipulated by the devil through their flesh. And so they're saying what he wants them to say. They're behaving the way that he wants them to behave. And in turn, because he's manipulating them and controlling them and influencing them, they're saying what they're supposed to say to give him the opportunity. So he's like the, you know, the puppeteer. And he's controlling all these people who are speaking his words and doing his things. And so Satan really has the authority over the earth through this, uh, through this method or this approach. But now he, here's a human being. Because he was born as a human being, he himself also has dominion. See, so uh, the devil takes him up there and says, all this authority I will give you and their glory and, and the benefits of them right? The blessing of all of this influence and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Listen to this. Jesus is already going to get all of that. Do you remember after he was raised from the dead? He said in Matthew uh, 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. But notice that's on the other side of the cross. In reality, the devil is saying, you don't have to go through all that. You just bow down to me and I'll give it to you. <laughs> you can skip the cross, skip your assignment. Just do it the easy way. Get promoted right now through me. Oh, that's a trap, folks. No, we got to do it God's way. We got to go through whatever we have to go through. We have to be obedient to God. And after we're obedient to the Lord and complete our assignment, then the rewards and the promotion will come. But the devil said, uh, I'll give all, all this authority and glory to you. If you'll bow down before me, all will be yours. Verse 8, and Jesus answered and said to him, once again from the scriptures, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil, he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple way up high. 
and said to him, if you are the son of God, notice again, questioning his identity. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written. See, Jesus has said twice, it is written, it is written, quoting the word. So the devil's going to try that. Well, I'll give him a scripture. Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus, instead of saying, well, that is written, so maybe I should do it. No, Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, it's also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And all of these things that Jesus quoted were all from Deuteronomy. I think the sixth and the eighth chapters of Deuteronomy. But Jesus would not speak on his own uh, authority or out of his own mind. He just kept quoting scripture. Well, what does Ephesians chapter six tell us? That the sword of the spirit is the rhema of God, the spoken word of God. And Jesus is showing us how to use the sword. The word says, No, Satan, the word says, no, Satan, the word says, and just keep quoting the truth of the word of God. And it's the weapon or the sword of the spirit. Verse 13. Now, when the devil had emptied, ended every temptation, watch this, he departed from him until an opportune time. In other words, he realized this is not a good time. I caught him at a bad time. Why? He's speaking the word. That sword. So he departed until an opportune time. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Notice verse 1. He was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. And now, after this time of prayer and fasting and temptation, he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Verse 17, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. We might call it a scroll. He was handed handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And watch this. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He was not just going to read in a random place from the scroll of Isaiah. He found the place. He was looking for a particular prophecy in Isaiah. He found the place where it was written and he began to read. And here's what he read. Verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So that's how much he read from the prophet Isaiah. Well, of course, Isaiah prophesied that as if he was talking about himself, but he wasn't talking about himself. It was a prophecy for the Messiah to come, who is Jesus. So Jesus is reading this prophecy because he is the real one that God has poured his spirit upon. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do certain things. Let's look at those things. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So God, uh, Jesus was anointed to help poor people with good news. This is more valuable than money. If he, he just gave the poor people money, they would spend it, they would eat, and it would be gone. No, but when you preach the good news, now you're connecting them to God and his covenant to continually have provision. 
He goes on to say, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's dealing with people with broken hearts, discouragement, depression, and such, to proclaim liberty to the captives. There are people that are in bondage to addictions and sins. Today, things like pornography, right? And recovery of sight to the blind. This is physical healing that's happening, even blindness. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, people that may be slaves, people that may be under uh, the bondage or under the fear of somebody else who controls them. Jesus said, I came, I'm anointed to help people get delivered from these things and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the year of Jubilee, that God is going to straighten things out on your behalf. So Jesus said, I was anointed to do these things. Verse 20, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. In other words, he has not yet elaborated. He has not yet taught. He just read the scripture. And now everybody's looking at him to see, okay, what are you going to say about the scripture? Verse 21, and he began to say, so what does that tell us? He didn't finish saying it. He began to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I just read a prophecy, but I'm telling you today, this prophecy is fulfilled. Powerful. So, verse 22, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. In other words, this is really predicting on the cross where they'll say, hey, heal yourself. If you're really the Messiah, come down off the cross. He said, you will say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have done in, uh, whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows, and oh, this is going to get under their skin right now. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them, in other words, to none of the widows in Israel, to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath, not in Israel, except except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, way up north on the Mediterranean coast, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed. None of the lepers in Israel were cleansed, except Nahum, uh, Naaman the Syrian. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, you're looking at me and you're saying, you can't be the the person in Isaiah's prophecy. You can't be the anointed one. You can't be the Messiah. And he's saying, yeah, see, and this is why this happened where uh, the prophet Elijah was sent to help a woman, a widow, but none of the widows of Israel. And this is why Elisha was sent to uh, cleanse or cleanse Naaman the leper, but didn't cleanse all the leprosy in Israel. Why? Because Israel became hard-hearted, and they weren't hungry. They weren't obedient. They weren't willing to receive the healing, the blessing, and such. And Jesus is saying, here you go again. I'm right here. I'm the Spirit. I'm the Messiah. The Spirit of God is on me. And guess what? You don't want to receive it. 
And he's saying it was the same way in the days of Elijah. It was the same way in the days of Elisha. And here's the Messiah himself, and you're not receiving it. See, he's indicting them and letting them know what you're doing right now is wrong, and you'll suffer the consequences and not receive the blessings if you do this to me. So he tells them about the widow in the days of Elijah, the leper in the days of Naaman, uh, and Elisha, verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Don't you tell us that it was our fault that our widows were not helped, that our lepers were not healed, and certainly not today, that because we're not listening to you, that we're not going to receive something from God. See, they're filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of a hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him over the cliff. And look at this verse. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Isn't that an interesting verse? Like, how did he do that? They're, they're, they've got him. You would think they've got a man on either side of him holding his arms. They're dragging him to the cliff and then passing through the midst of them. He went his way. This is the protection of God, the protection of God that somehow they lose their grip and he passes through the midst of them and he goes up on his way. Verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum. Then he went down to Capernaum. Let me tell you, this doesn't mean. Well, then he just decided to take a little trip over from Nazareth to Capernaum, which is, you know, on foot, it's quite, it's quite a trick. You know, in a bus, we, we take the bus. And so, oh, I'd say we're talking about maybe about a 40, 30, 30 to 45 minute drive on a bus to go from Nazareth to Capernaum. But on foot or on donkey, it's going to take, you know, quite a bit of time. Then he went down to Capernaum. Now, this doesn't mean he just went to visit Capernaum. No, he ended up moving to Capernaum. And instead of making his home base in Nazareth, where they want to kill him, he moved it to Capernaum, and that became Jesus' hometown. So then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. In other words, they weren't used to these Jewish teachers teaching as if they really know the answer. So his word was with, was with authority. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So notice the demons know exactly who this is. Verse 35, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. Notice, typically, Jesus did not allow the demons to speak out, but would say, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it thrown the man, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him went into every place in the surrounding region. Verse 38. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother. Now this is Peter. So Peter had a wife. So Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever. Notice he's treating the fever as if the fever is uh, like a little 
dog that's biting. And he rebuked the fever. This is an enemy. Sickness is an enemy of God and an enemy of us. Jesus rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. We need to treat sickness as an enemy and rebuke it and say, stop it and get out of my body. Get out of this person's body. They're a child of God. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. This is the heart of Jesus. He just went from person to person and no doubt there were hundreds of people here to pray for, to be healed. But every one of them, he laid hands on them and healed them. Verse 41, and demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, notice again, did not allow them to speak. So Jesus did not just want to converse with demons all the time. We know he did it with the legion, but this was not his typical practice to try to converse with demons and talk to them. So it says, and he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So that's the end of chapter four. So you can see here that the ministry of Jesus has begun. He started in Nazareth. They tried to throw him off the cliff, but it's too late. He declared that the prophecy of Isaiah is has come to pass in himself that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him because God has anointed him. It happened at the baptism of John when the Holy Spirit came in bodily form like a dove. And now the Son of God has been anointed of the Holy Spirit, so he's officially the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. So now he went from being Jesus of Nazareth in those first 30 years to now he's Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. See, and so uh, that's the chapter that it happened in as clearly as any chapter in the Gospels. Luke chapter four is the chapter where that transition took place from Jesus of Nazareth to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. I'll see you tomorrow for chapter five. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.